less than a month before the summer games in Tokyo. Olympic organizers announced this week capacity limits will be set at 50% at venues for the games. Of course, last week we received confirmation there will be no foreign fans, only Japanese spectators in the crowd. From the Team USA front this week, Olympic rosters were announced for women's 5-on-5 and 3-on-3 basketball, as well as the women's water polo team. And the women's national soccer team roster was also announced. Head coach Vladko Andonovsky picking a lot of familiar names for the 18-woman roster, including 39-year-old Carly Lloyd and 35-year-old Megan Rapino. Andonovsky was asked if he was concerned the age might play a factor in the hot, humid Tokyo weather. You know, the most important thing is whether they, they perform or not, whether they're going to be able to help us win the, the Olympics or not. Now, uh, in terms of data, uh, yes, we do look at data, and uh, every data that we get uh, from the physical uh, perspective Perspective. They're hitting all the numbers that they need uh, in order to fulfill the tests that we believe are going to be given to them. Uh, on top of that, uh, if you look at uh, the statistical data, you'll see that uh, Megan Rapino scored the most goals in uh, 2021 and Carly Lloyd has the most assists in 2021. So altogether, it's, uh, we've, we feel very comfortable with uh, some of the more experienced players. U.S. gymnastics trials are underway in Indianapolis. We'll know next week who's going to Tokyo in artistic men's and women's, as well as rhythmic women's gymnastics. The track and field trials are underway in Eugene, Oregon, but they've been postponed due to extreme heat in the Pacific Northwest. Last week, Thomas Jeske was named to the U.S. men's Olympic volleyball team. It'll be his second Olympic Games. I had a chance to grab him via Zoom. He's an athlete who believes he actually benefited from the pandemic year. Congratulations. You uh, are headed to your second uh, Olympic Games. Does it feel like the weight of the world is off your shoulders? Because I know it got pretty intense uh, over the last couple weeks with the team. Yeah, um, we're in this bubble here in Italy. And so I think things are even magnified right now because it's like all volleyball all the time and we don't have a chance to decompress and step away. You know, we're always with the team, always with the group, always thinking, talking volleyball. So things were magnified. But um, yeah, I, I think um, I did an interview just the other day and I talked about it. But um, there's definitely a silver lining with COVID for me because I had dislocated my shoulder and had surgery. And I wouldn't have been back in time. It was October 2019 that it happened. And last, the end of last summer, I wasn't, I wasn't playing live volleyball yet. And um, I went overseas at the end of August and kind of with my pro team, you know, was reintroduced to, to playing. And it took like probably another month for me to be comfortable on the court. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of things I think to be grateful for on my end. Um, you know, a staff that was kind of like willing to, take their time and wait for me because, you know, I've had some injuries. I tore my ACL like three years ago as well. So um, a couple of things have happened for me. And um, like I said, the shoulder. Um, So yeah, I feel fortunate for a lot of reasons, but um, yeah, definitely. Like you said, the weight of the world, just kind of like the tension, I would say is um, lifted around here, you know, even, even for guys that didn't make the team, you know, it's like, we all know we can all kind of move forward. Sure. I went back and I listened to an interview I did with you in uh, early 2020 and you were still rehabbing. In fact, you were driving down the coast because you were going to film some video. Yeah, I remember that. And, uh, you know, you you were progressing. You knew you were progressing. I, I had the feeling you weren't progressing quite at the rate you had wanted to. So pandemic kind of a blessing in disguise, I guess, for you. A lot of athletes who maybe were at the end of their career, this isn't good news, but for people who are healing and people who are, you know, <laughs> rehabbing injuries, uh, probably was more fortunate for them. 
Yeah. Um, obviously wish the pandemic didn't happen. That's, you know, pretty easy and cut and dry, but, um, yeah, if there's, if there's a silver lining for me, it's being named to this roster. We had another teammate of mine, Taylor Sander, who, um, had shoulder surgery before me, but it was a different one. So his recovery was, um, I think he ended up getting back a little bit later than me. Um, and so he's kind of in the same boat. So I think we're both, um, that, yeah, definitely found that silver lining and, um, you know, super stoked to be here, but being that it's actually his second one and my second one, I think, you know, there are bigger things that we're hoping for and working towards. So yeah, it's great, but we're not going there just to, you know, put on the resume. So, so take me back to, to March of 2020. Then we, we learned that the games have been postponed. Is this a time for you to sit back and let things heal? Or is this a time for you to ramp up your, your recovery activities? How, do, how did you manage to schedule that? Because I assume you wanted to obviously keep getting touches on the ball. Um, you know, you, you didn't want to slow it down. But at the other hand, too, you got the shoulder. You're just trying to get probably heal. Were, were you trying to heal first or were you trying to aggressively uh, get back into uh, the best condition possible? I mean, yeah, you're coming back. It's pretty major surgery. So there's a lot of things that are out of my control. Um, I was going to the gym every day and I continued to do so. Um, and then kind of when things got, you know, really bad with the pandemic, we weren't able to go to the gym and had to kind of, um, find our way, you know, home gyms, this and that, like everyone else. But, um, come back to Illinois? I, yeah, I came back to Illinois for probably like a month and a half. And then, um, you know, we were kind of waiting to figure out whether we were all going overseas, what was going to happen. Was I going to go to my pro team? And once it was pretty clear, I was going to go to my pro team. I went back to California where we were able to go to our gym and I worked with our staff to get me ready to go. Um, and then I actually got COVID. And so after that, it was like the timeline got really shortened. So then I went back to Chicago for like a week and a half before um, going overseas. But I mean, it's hard to say what would have happened versus what did happen. You know, um, there was like a lot of other things happening in life that were, you know, messy and, my shoulder injury in that moment in time wasn't maybe the biggest concern. Um, so just kind of, yeah, I, we were doing all the right things. Um, I, I think had the games gone off, I would have had to like push through some pretty serious pain and discomfort. And, um, I think realistically I wouldn't have been able to go to the games. Um, I would have pushed really hard, but you know, it's not only like get, be ready the day, the first day of the games. If that, if that was the case, that's great. But if you haven't touched a volleyball in 10 months, like, are you going to help the team? Like you've been away from the group. They've been playing, they've been training, you know, that's not great for team dynamic either. Pull one guy out who has been working hard all summer for a guy that maybe you think over the past four years deserves it more, but over the past 10 months doesn't, you know? And so there's, um, there definitely would have been a dichotomy of it. And I just don't think realistically I would have, I would have made that, that group for, you know, those reasons and a, a myriad of others, but um, yeah, it's not where we are. That's not a concern of mine right now. My concern is getting ready for the games. What, tell me about the, the COVID diagnosis. When did that, when did you test positive? Do you, do you know where you got it or? I don't know where I got it. We, um, I was in California kind of, I was, like I said, training, trying to get my shoulder ready to go overseas and, it was like, I remember I went into the gym Monday, like joints were just achy and I was a little bit tired Tuesday, more of the same, but you know, to a 
um, higher degree, mentioned it to my staff, but you know, was not showing any other symptoms. And then Wednesday, more of the same, and I wasn't feeling better. So I asked to get a, go get a COVID test and sure enough, tested positive. And then it was, yeah, my, it, my quarantine period. And, then, yeah. Yeah. It put me out for a couple of weeks, but it never, I mean, it was like body aches for five days. Those went away. Then a fever for a day. And then that went away. And then it was like a sore throat for four days and that went away, but it was all super separated. And, um, and I think honestly, even if it all hit me at the exact same time, I wouldn't have been in that bad of shape, you know, thankfully it didn't mm-hmm. fortunate, but, um, yeah, it was, um, I would say I'm in the vast majority that, uh, it was pretty reasonable. And if I didn't, if it wasn't COVID probably wouldn't have kept me out for, for very long, but it was, so I was out for a while and that's how it goes. Sure. All right. So tell me about this team uh, that, that you're on and, you know, tell me about the makeup. Well, what do we need to know going into these games about who this team is, kind of how they came together? What, what, what are some of the, the who are the rising stars? What, what do you notice maybe in this team versus 2016? Uh, it's just different for me, you know, being a second time uh, Olympian. I think last time there was kind of getting there was was great. And then, you know, we medaled and I was the youngest guy on the team and we had a lot of experienced guys and um, now I think this games last, last games, I really didn't play at all. And, um, we, we had our starting seven and that was the group and that's how it went. And I think, I think this games will be different and that more guys will come in and out through the course of matches. And, um, you know, we have, we do have a lot, a lot of the same players for the, um, two of the three middles are the same, both the setters are the same, our opposites, the same. Um, and then I think we have two new outsides and two of the same. So, um, you know, more, I think more veterans than not, but, uh, we have a young outside teacher DeFalco who's playing really well. Um, and another opposite who's, um, kind of the second opposite, but he's a great guy to throw in and, you know, he, we can trust him to make good plays. So, um, oh, and the libero is the same. So I just think like, a lot of good, a lot of good things going. Um, but the games is always kind of a different beast. And, um, so we're just going to have to take it like day by day, match by match, because I mean, last games we had, I thought a really good group and kind of rolling going into it. And we get smacked the first two matches by, you know, teams, maybe we shouldn't have gotten smacked by. And we had a big, long look in the mirror, trying to figure things out and kind of found our way out of it. But, it wasn't what did, easy. What and, did you learn? What did you learn about that experience? I was going to ask you, I mean, do you, do you come into the, into Tokyo with a chip on your shoulder from, from five years ago from Rio? Or I mean, cause if a bunch of you guys were all together on that team or is this, you know what, sometimes this happens, we just have to play our best in that day or in that moment. Um, you know, kind of what's your, what's your mindset? How are you guys approaching these games? Yeah. I think if you can't really go into it, like, Oh, this happened five years ago, you know, that, that sounds pretty bitter almost, you know what I mean? You gotta, you gotta focus on what's going on today and um, yeah. How you are going to navigate those waters today? Because the teams you're playing are different. The environment's different. The ball is literally different. Um, So there's just so many factors. And if you get too big picture, you're going to lose yourself and it gets overwhelming. So just one, one match at a time. And even within the match, you know, one point at a time, that's what you got to do because otherwise, you know, the Olympics when it's, it just gets really daunting and there's a lot of different things, especially, you know, the Olympics, it's, 
like this, you know, more interviews, more press, more, more sponsors, more this and that. And if you get lost in it, it can have a pretty negative effect on the game. And that's what you're there for at the end of the day. You know, you're not there to get sponsors or do interviews. You're there to compete. And um, so that's what we got to focus on. Do you think that this year it's going to be different though? I mean, we, we know no foreign fans and th- this experience is going to be completely different because when you went into 2016, first time, I'm sure you wanted to rub, rub elbows with LeBron James and that's probably not going to be a factor here. I mean, you're literally going to land at an airport and they're going to whisk you away to a certain location where you'll only be allowed to go in certain places, a much different experience. Will that allow you to focus more on the volleyball ex- itself? I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I know that that's probably not the most, you know, fun Olympic experiences, but it's going to be different, but it might also be better for, from the athlete perspective, from the competitor perspective. Yeah. And honestly, like we play the day after opening ceremonies. And if we, if we medal, we will play the day before closing. So we will be competing hopefully the entirety of the games. And so, and the last Olympics, we didn't stay in the village because our venue was like an hour, an hour away. And with Rio traffic, that can turn into two hours real quick. Mm-hmm. So um, we stayed away from the village. And so, yeah, it'll be different, but I think actually it'll be pretty, pretty similar for us too, because we stayed at this little hotel and it, you know, we couldn't really venture out because it wasn't in a great area and uh, this and that. So I think, yeah, it'll be different for sure, but actually we're in this bubble right now. And I think that's probably going to help us prepare for it. But unfortunately a lot of other teams are here, so they're, they're preparing as well. But um, yeah, like you said, it's going to be a unique game experience. And um, I think fortunately I was able to, to go to a, an Olympics that was, I would say kind of the standard and um, it was great, super cool and very fortunate and grateful, but um, this one's going to be very different. And I'm sure I'll look back on it with, with the same sentiment. So, um, but like I said, just taking it a day at a time because we're there to play volleyball, not to, you know, rub elbows with famous people. Are, are, I'm sure you've been keeping up on all of the talks about, you know, the people in Japan don't want these games. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, will these be safe? Do you feel from what you're hearing, from what you're seeing and kind of the, the bubbles that you've been in that these, these games will be safe for the athletes, even if there are fans? Um, I do feel safe, I, but I just think it's so easy for me to say, right? Because I've had COVID, I'm fully vaccinated. I'm a 27 year old guy who's in pretty good physical shape. You know, I, as far as I'm not a smoker, like the risk factors for me just aren't really there. Um, so I think it's easy for me to say, um, but everyone, you know, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. And that is what it is. I really, um, I think the right call is to have the games go off. And if, if they say no foreign fans, fine. You know, if they end up saying no fans at the arena, you know, that is what it is. Like we can't, again, we can't control that and we can't get too caught up in it. Um, What's it like playing in front of fans? Did you do that during the pandemic? Yeah, I did it the whole year in Italy. Um, it sucks. Like it, it yeah, it's super, shitty, honestly, you draw yeah. a lot of, a lot of energy, even, you know, like, going to other gyms that are super hostile, like that's fun going and competing in those environments. That's fun. You learn a lot. You're, you're put in tough situations. It's great. And fans are brutal and that's what they're supposed to be. And, um, yeah. So I think the emotional roller coaster of it is taken out and obviously it's more volleyball. Um, but, um, I do, yeah, I do miss the fans and it's a bummer too. You know, like my family was really hoping to, to come and, um, 
you know, I've like, they've been supporting me and this is what they've been looking forward to. They came the entirety of the games in Rio. Um, and they love Japan. They've been a couple of times following me around. So, um, yeah, but again, it is what it is. Like, have you you been to Japan before? Yeah, I think I've been to Japan three or four times. I don't know. I love it there. It's, It's, it's amazing. The food's great. Do a the good job? Are, yeah. Japanese people that like, as far as cultures go, I, I don't know of a better one. I'm pretty sure. Don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure their passport is the most widely accepted without visas around the world because a, they're such like a respectful culture and B, you know, they're going to go back because Japan's great and they, everyone wants to go back, you know? And, um, uh, so they're, yeah, uh, it's, it's a great culture good people, good food, super kind, respectful, just nice people. All right. So people, for people who don't know the volleyball world, when you step uh, into Tokyo, who do you got your eyes on? I mean, who are the most competitive nations uh, <laughs> heading, heading in? Or is everyone, is it, I mean, is it going to be? Yeah. Everyone? Yeah. It's everyone's best shot. It's the Olympics. I mean, we're here in Italy and a lot of teams are playing well right now. Um, you know, we're, we got here, we were pretty banged up and, you know, we, we struggled our way through this tournament and you know, the Olympics is going to be even tougher. So we got, we got our work cut out for us and yeah, there's no, there's no gimme matches at the Olympics. Only 12 teams make it and they're not there because they're bad at volleyball. You know what I mean? What, what do you think about the prospect of American volleyball really starting to grow as a professional sport? Cause I keep talking to whether it's, whether it's you, whether it's people on the men's side, women's side and I'm talking to you guys in Italy and in Germany and, you know, you're not here. I'm sure you would like to be here, but right now that's just not really how the professional sports world works. Does it? No. And I think what's tough is if you could get, first of all, people to just fully understand the rules of the game um, because there are just some intricacies that are a little bit tough to understand, but you know, it's a sport. It's not that difficult, you know, with a little bit of explaining, Um, but if you could just get them in the gym and get them to, to see how fast the game is. And I think like, you know, the women's game has a lot of notoriety in the at the college level in the States, but the men's game doesn't. And, um, but I do think if you can get some fans in, in arenas and they can see, you know, like there's some guys jumping, you know, 40 plus inches hitting the ball, you know, over 70, 80 miles an hour. Like it's, it's a high level fast sport. And, um, like I said, it happens really fast, but it's just getting people in, in the gym. And I think especially the American market is, is pretty oversaturated. You know, you got the big four and, um, it's just kind of, it's tough. Like there's no two ways about it. It's tough. And, um, is it, is it a matter of finding a way to, the, uh, the next level from college, like, you know, the, the, the people who are in college who go through the system and then making sure that they don't ship off to some other country or to, to Europe or wherever the, the money is or Moscow or, you know, I, I mean, right. there's, there's got to be some next level, I suppose, to, to really start driving this sport. Yeah. And I mean, I think you kind of said it. It, it. Money is the driving factor, right? I don't go live overseas um just for fun you know maybe maybe you do that for a year but you know life life's a long time and you got to take care of yourself and so yeah we go overseas to make money 
Um, and if, if there was money in the States, obviously I would choose to stay, you know, um, there, yeah, there are guys going to Russia and, you know, the language barrier is tough there. It's far from family. And those guys, I'm, I'm sure would take less money to stay in the States, but there's nothing even comparable. So I think honestly, to answer your question, there's just nothing even close to reasonable right now. And I have a lot of my foreign teammates who are like, Hey, when are you guys going to start a league in the States? And I'm like, you know, I really don't have any idea because they want to come too. you know, I have, America is kind of the Mecca for sports at a high level um, in, in other, in other sports. And so they kind of figure, well, if America did it, it would be the biggest and the best and, and this and that, but it's just not super realistic right now. And um, it's kind of, that's kind of like a maybe pessimistic attitude. Um, but I think that is kind of the realistic view on it right now. What happened with the contracts during COVID? Were, did, did, were you under contract with a team? Did you keep getting paid or did things kind of dry up? Um, I was recovering from my shoulder injury, so I wasn't overseas, but I think that most leagues, all leagues actually, I think ended early. So I think, um, Italian guys in the Italian league got about 70% of their contracts, which is kind of like where they were at on the payment schedule when the league ended. And so, um, kind of fair enough, you know, mm-hmm. you're not gonna, you know, one, one payment here or there, you're probably not going to argue too much about it. Um, especially like during those times, it was more important to be healthy and with your family and um, being safe, you know, where can people follow you? Oh, I have Twitter and Instagram. Um, it's at T underscore Jeshke. Um, I'm more, much more active on Instagram. I don't use Twitter a ton. Just, I kind of used to keep up on sports and news, but, um, yeah, I would say Instagram. I'm not, I'm not on TikTok. I feel pretty, uh, I feel old. Like I, I don't feel like it's for me. I don't know. I don't really know what you to not say have about it. I feel like, you gotta yeah, get more I feel like it's, no, I definitely don't have enough dancers. I feel <laughs> like it's not for me, man. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't feel right. That's all I'm saying. So I'm out. Right. Next week, we talk to a fencer who five years ago was ready to walk away from the sport. Now she's headed to Tokyo. That's coming up next week on Quest for Gold. I'm Ryan Burrow. We'll see you then.